0: All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, uh, verses 19 through 31. When I read, I'm going to read from the New King James. And uh, you know what? I'm going to ask you, if you you can, uh, would you stand with me one more time as we pray uh, to prepare our hearts? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, uh, for the opportunity to worship, We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to take in and to receive your word. Uh, We pray, Lord, in in the name of Jesus, that you would keep folks safe today. Uh, Whatever the the weather emergencies are, Lord, you know all of them. And so, Lord, you are able to move. You are able to touch. You are able to uh, do great and mighty things. And even this morning, as we get ready to take in your word, I pray that you would speak and do great and mighty things. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. So for several weeks now, we've been sharing a message series called Eternity, Uh, Your Forever Home. This morning, we want to wrap it up. And so we, we began by saying that everything in the Bible points toward eternity. And because God created us, how many of you believe that God created us? Amen. Very basic fact. Everything within you, everything within us cries out for our forever home. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11, the Bible says that God has planted eternity inside of the human heart. Remember, God designed us, he designed you and I to live in eternity, and his work with us is not yet finished. Aren't you glad God's not done yet? God's not done yet, and so he's not finished in this life. And so you and I, we will definitely need all of eternity to be able to experience all of God's blessings. The Bible, Bible also teaches that there are only two eternal destinations, heaven and hell, right? In Matthew 25 and verse 46, Jesus said that some will go away into eternal punishment, that's speaking of hell, but right the righteous into eternal life, that's speaking of heaven. And so we said that the central message of the Bible related to eternity is that you and I, you and I will freely choose in this life where we get to spend eternity. And again, God doesn't send a- us or anyone to heaven and God doesn't send us or anyone to hell. You and I, we choose today in this life where we get to spend eternity, amen? Have you gotten that by now? I hope that it's gotten into you, amen? So last week, we, in Luke chapter 16, Jesus told the story of two men. Basically, he talked about what happens to them After they die, it's clear from our text that the righteous go to one place in the afterlife and the wicked go to a very different and separate place. But each place is just as real and eternal as the other. Listen, in our message, we noted that both Lazarus and the rich man had a conscious existence immediately after they died. That's important to note, that when you die, when you leave planet Earth, you, you don't just go into some uh, sleep state or, or some kind of a waiting period. No, you will immediately go into eternity after you die. And so the Bible tells us that when they died, their bodies went into the grave like we do when we die, and their soul or their spirit went immediately to eternity into their forever home. Listen, Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom, right? Right? We said that that was also called Sheol or paradise, which is a type of heaven. And the rich man went to Hades or hell. And so again, like we said, there is no purgatory. There is no limbo. There is no soul soul sleep. The Bible does not teach any of those man-made ideas. Instead, we, you and I, choose where to spend eternity by exercising our faith in Jesus Christ today. In other words... If you place your trust and faith in Jesus to rescue, you, uh, uh, to rescue you from the penalty of sin, anybody know the penalty of sin is death, eternal death, right? Christ will save you today, and if you live for him in this life, heaven will one day be your forever home. On the other hand, and this, is, this is, uh, uh, needs to be considered as well, if you do nothing, if you do absolutely nothing about eternity in this life, in other words, you ignore the gift of salvation and you decide that you are going to live for me, myself and I, then even if you think you're a good person and even if you have lived a pretty good life, Hell will sadly one day be your eternal home. And listen, I'm not saying that this morning to scare you. I'm not saying that this morning rejoicing by saying, oh, I'm going to heaven and and you're maybe not going to make it. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. This is a reality. We need to let people know. We, We need to rescue the perishing like the old hymn used to say, right? It's important. We need to let people know. And so, again... Those things, the things that, trying to be a good person, living a good life, not good enough. Jesus has to be the only way to get to God and to heaven, amen? Last week, we focused on the poor beggar Lazarus. We basically shared how on planet Earth, he lived a very rough life, Right? But because of his faith in the Lord God, Scripture says that he was actually carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, again, a paradise or a type of heaven. And there in heaven, even though he lived a rough life, even though things weren't great here on planet Earth for him, in heaven, he was actually being comforted. We also covered several practical questions about heaven in our message. I'm not going to do a total recap. I will say that if you ever miss a a sermon, if you ever miss one of our teachings, uh, go on the website. Some people don't even know we have a website, maybe uh, www.crosspointchurch.me. And right there, you'll be able to get any any of our messages that we've preached. But today, we're going to return to Luke chapter 16. And I want to turn our attention to the rich man. Sadly, the Bible tells us that in Hades or in hell, the rich man is being tormented. Listen, death is never, ever a very pleasant subject. And maybe it's our reluctance to talk about it that causes so many misconceptions about what happens after we die. A survey done, actually a survey done by U.S. News and World Report reveals that 64% of Americans believe, actually believe that there is a hell. And what might be surprising to many of us is that another poll indicated that there that more Americans actually believe in hell today than they did many years ago. That was astounding to me, especially with all of the conversations that you and I hear or that you and I have out there. And so... Uh, d- definitely, a lot of conversations about eternity, and so as far as hell, the debate is not if hell exists, but what is it, where is it, and how long does it actually last? See, some people have some really, really crazy ideas about that hell, that place that we call hell. For example, you may know some of this from our culture. Scientology with modern proponents such as uh, John Travolta or Tom Cruise, they teach that there is no death. They believe that heaven and hell are actually a state of mind or a, a way that they are thinking in our thoughts, not actual places. And so people experience heaven or hell right here on earth. Scientologists, that's what they believe. The Mormons will argue that the false doctrine that the punishment to be visited upon erring souls is endless is at once unscriptural, unreasonable, and revolting. And so to the Mormons, hell is just a false belief system. The Jehovah Witnesses. They maintain that the wicked are annihilated because the teaching about a fiery hell can rightly be designated as a teaching of demons. And so teaching or preaching about hell to, to to the Jehovah Witnesses is a teaching of demons. And so to them, hell doesn't exist either. Beyond these three religious cults and what they believe about hell. I want to give you five common or general views and they can extend through the culture. They can extend through our culture. And so the first uh, uh, general view of hell is denial. Say denial. denial. One more time. Say denial. Some believe that there's no such place as hell or that hell is only a story that we use to frighten people into doing whatever the church wants them to do. And so in their minds, to those that are denying, hell just doesn't exist. And yet if there's no hell, there can be no heaven. I mean, you can't really have one without the other. It makes no sense. See, the truth is Jesus actually says more about hell than he does about heaven. How many of you even knew that? He says more about hell than he does about heaven. He actually mentioned hell 56 times in the gospels and only mentioned heaven about 24 times. And so listen, we can't reject or deny hell without also rejecting Christ. It's basically like we're calling Jesus a liar. I don't know about you, I don't want to call Jesus a liar. Jesus knows about heaven, he knows about hell, he talks more about hell than he does about heaven, it's a real place. So listen, if hell is not as real or as bad as the Bible says, then maybe heaven is not real or or not as good as the Bible says that it is, and listen, that denial just doesn't work for me, I believe that the Bible is the truth, amen? Amen? I believe that the word of God tells us exactly what it is. And so I would rather believe the word than men. I would rather believe the word than our culture. Amen. Secondly, earth, uh, uh, second is the belief that, that hell is actually earthly suffering that hell is earthly suffering. Anybody ever hear that from someone that that hell is experienced here on earth? And so some people believe that hell only speaks of earthly suffering while we are here on earth and alive. This is the belief that hell is only the bad things and hell is only the bad times that you go through on earth. Now listen, I I know bad bad things and times, uh, they may seem like they're eternal when you're going through them. I'm not trying to deny, I'm not being a denier in that way that that sometimes you will say, Pastor Freddie, this season that I am going through, this thing that I'm experiencing in my family, it is like going through a living hell. It's an expression, but it is not hell. It is not hell. Listen, uh, the severity of a biblical hell far outweighs anything here on earth. And third, the third view of hell that some people have is annihilation annihilation this is the belief that hell actually refers to the final destruction of all evil persons and i want you to hear where this mindset goes in other words hell is not eternal Hell will actually have an end. There will be an end time of that suffering, an end time of that punishment uh, for sin. And with uh, the people that believe in annihilation, that's what they're thinking. I think this view of hell clearly contradicts uh, the, the biblical idea of eternal punishment for the wicked. Say eternity. Eternity there's going to be eternal bliss and there's going to be eternal punishment. And this bliss and and the blessings of heaven are gonna continue forever and ever and ever. And on the other side, the punishment and uh, all that is gonna happen in in hell is going to be eternal. Fourth is restoration or universalism. Say restoration. restoration. So this is the belief that everyone will ultimately be saved. Everyone will ultimately be saved, and so hell, uh, once again, is just temporary, but listen, if everyone is going to ultimately make it to heaven, no matter what they do, no matter what they experience, uh, we might as well just shut the doors and go home right now we might as well. Listen, because if that's the case, Christianity is an absolute waste of your time, and I thank God that it is not. I thank God that there is a heaven. I thank God that there is a hell. We serve a holy and a righteous God, and he has parameters that he has set because he loves you. He loves me. He loves the sinner. He loves those that, that, you know, kind of even rejoice and say, oh, it's okay. I'm going to go to to hell, and it's going to be a great party. We're going to talk about that. It's not going to be a great party. We need to tell the truth. We need to tell the truth. Hell is very real. Everyone, listen to me, everyone is not going to make it to heaven. I said this, I think week one or week two, it talks about uh, the broad way, the the, 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 the the long way that there is to, to get into hell and the narrow way that there is to get to heaven. And so there's gonna be greater possibility of people going to hell than there is in going to, to heaven. And so everyone is not going to make it to heaven. And so listen, the fifth and final view of hell is traditionalism or it's called ECT, Eternal Conscious Torment. Sounds horrible. Eternal Conscious Torment, traditionalism. Listen, this is the only model that is supported by Scripture traditionalism is the literal belief that hell is a very real place of unending torment. And so just like the Bible says, hell is a place of eternal suffering that you and I should avoid. We should wanna help others to avoid it. We should be like a, a, you know, just crazy people desiring that no one is going to go to hell, that no one in your family is going to go in that direction, that no one that you work with is going to go in that direction if you can help it. And so we need to be the people that, are, that have the clarion call. We need to be the people that are a little loud. Some of us are a little too shy. Some of us are a little too passive. Listen, there is eternity that is going to begin right around the corner. And God desires that none should perish and we should have that desire too. Amen? Sometimes the the question is asked, how could a good God send some, even some people to hell? And listen, that could be a whole other sermon, right? But I want you to point, I want to point out the error and the inconsistency of that question all by itself. See, uh, we don't ask... How could a good judge send a a serial killer to the electric chair? We don't ask that. Why? Why don't we ask that question? The answer is because the the judge is not the one responsible for the criminal going to the electric chair. It is uh, his own evil choices that are taking him there. In other words if we wanna turn it towards what we're talking about, eternity, you and I, we choose in this life whether we want a verdict of eternal life or whether we want a verdict of eternal death over our souls, and listen, God is the presiding judge, but just like no one goes to heaven automatically, the judge also never, never sends us to hell. See, faith in God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, is the only way say only way it's the only way to heaven but god will not force us to believe and god will definitely not send us there automatically and now i want to go to our text the story that jesus tells in luke chapter 16 is the story of the lives the deaths and the destinies of two very different men but both men died And both men passed through death's portal uh, and and an amazing reversal actually occurred in their situations. The poor man, Lazarus, who who suffered in this life, he had this horrible little life that he had lived. He died. We know that from scripture that he was immediately carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom or paradise, a, a type of heaven. And so his faith and trust in God was basically rewarded with eternity in heaven, especially after the resurrection right but the rich man who we're going to focus on this week the rich man who had so much going for him on earth and in this life he died and then a split second later immediately he awoke in a terrifying place called hell Through the experiences of this rich man, Jesus actually gives us a glimpse into hell. And so I want to read our text right now. Let's go there. Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 19. And we're going to take it to the end through verse 31 to include more of the rich man's uh, fate. The Bible says, beginning in verse 19, that there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared or feasted sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who who laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And and so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, paradise, shield, a type of heaven. The rich man also died and was what? Buried in the grave, all right? And yet being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off. And who else? And Lazarus in his bosom. So he saw them both in the same place. And then he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented. Another translation says, I am in severe agony in this flame. Verse 25, but Abraham said, son, remember. That in your lifetime you received your good things. Another translation says you received all of the comforts and all of the delights. And likewise Lazarus evil things. And so Lazarus received all the discomforts and all of the distresses. But now he, Lazarus, is comforted here in paradise and you are tormented in Hades or hell. This is what I talked about earlier, kind of a reversal of circumstances. The rich man had it going on on earth. Everything was going for him. He lived the rich life. He he knew what it was, what it was uh, to fare sumptuously, to feast on whatever he wants. When the scripture talks about purple and fine linen, that's like royalty. That's like, you know what? I've got money and I want everybody to know that I've got it. And so that's the life that he lived. And yet Lazarus Poor beggar Lazarus, he was just begging for scraps. He was just hoping that, that he could make it through the end of the day, that he could get it together somehow. And we know that in, that in eternity, their roles, as far as their experience, changed. It changed. Let's go to verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a what? A great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. And then he said, I beg you. This is, this is the rich man. I beg you, therefore, Father Abraham, that you would send him, send Lazarus to my father's house. Verse 28, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them. Another translation says, solemnly warn them and witness to them. Lest they come to this place of torment, Abraham said to him, they have the scriptures given by Moses and the writings of the prophets. I'm including the amplified version that gives us that, that some of those extra phrases. They have the scriptures given by Moses and the writings of the prophets. Uh, let them hear them. Verse 30 and 31. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one, if somebody just goes to them from the dead, they will repent or another translation says they will change their old way of thinking and see God and his righteousness. But he, Abraham said to them, if they do not hear the messages of Moses and the prophets, neither will they per- be persuaded, the one rise from the dead. I wanna talk about three important facts that this passage gives us about hell. So the first one is that hell is a place of misery. Say misery. It's the understatement of the year, right? Hell is a place of misery. In verse 23, the rich man is said to be in torment. In verse 24, he actually begged for even the smallest amount of water to relieve his suffering. Uh, we went to uh, a hill fest yesterday and uh, the heat and the humidity was getting to me and I was like, water, water, that doesn't touch what this man's condition was. All right. He wanted water to relieve his suffering. He says of himself in verse 24, I am tormented In this flame, I am tormented in this flame. In verse 25, Abraham also uses the word tormented to describe the man's condition in hell, the rich man's condition. Then in verse 27 and 28, the rich man begs. He begs Abraham to warn his family about this miserable place so they will not come to this place of torment. And listen, this is not the only place where the Bible uses such graphic language to describe hell. Remember, in Matthew 25 and verse 30, Jesus describes hell as a place of outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Liberal scholars have been telling us for decades that what the bible says about hell is only symbolic so some people will say that you know it's it's not literal there's not a literal hell there's not you know so liberal scholars have been telling us that hell is symbolic well William Evans in his classic book the great doctrines of the bible he asks: is the fire spoken of literal fire in hell And yet, check this out. It's an accepted law of language. And so this is across the board. An accepted law of language says that a figure of speech, if you use a figure of speech, it is less intense than reality. I want you to follow this train of thought. If they are saying that the the comments or the scriptures about hell are just a figure of speech, uh, accepted law of language says that a a figure of speech is less intense than the reality. And so if fire is merely figurative, it must stand for some really, really intense fire and reality. And if the reality is, listen, if the reality is more intense than the figure of speech, what an awful thing punishment, uh, the punishment symbolized by fire must really be. See, when Jesus describes hell as a real place of outer darkness, it's been hard for me to sometimes imagine what that place would be like. Because, uh, I, you know, when I think of hell, I think of the, the fires that will be war- burning. And, and I wonder why, you know, if it's a place of outer darkness, why isn't there any light there or, or seemingly any light? And this is until you read about individuals who, who work in some of the deepest mines underground in our nation. Listen, the deep mi- in the deep mines, there's total darkness, but there's also insufferable heat. Heat so extreme that it can only be tolerated for a few minutes at a time, and at a depth of three kilometers, the temperature in these deep mines reaches 158 degrees, and so you try to stay away from the heat source or or the light that produces that kind of heat, but even with the best of human efforts, it's very possible to have extreme heat and complete and total darkness listen in verse 24 when the rich man begged he begged for even the smallest amount of water to relieve his suffering I think it's worth considering that the thirst of the rich man might actually be the thirst that every single person in this life has BC before Christ I believe it is a thirst for God I believe it is a thirst for God. And so he is thirsting for water. He is thirsting for something that might quench his desire. And and I believe it's a thirst for God. See, this thirst cannot be satisfied with anything that the world has to offer. Only, say only. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can satisfy that kind of thirst. Jesus said in John chapter 7 and 37, the latter half of that verse says, let anyone, let anyone... If anyone is thirsty, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Sadly, the thirst for God only becomes, listen, the thirst for God only becomes more intense and more agonizing in that place called hell. That will definitely add to the misery of the place. One pastor pointed out that the most sobering thought that could ever cross our minds, listen, is the fact that the rich man in hell has not yet in his entire life received even one drop of water for which he so desperately longed for. In his entire life, and so maybe he has been drinking water. He has been drinking wine. He has been drinking the things of this world. And yet the thirst has always been there because without Christ, we are thirsty. Without Christ, we are parched. Without Christ, we don't understand why we take in all from the world and it just never seems to satisfy. The answer to that is only Jesus satisfies. But listen, hell is not only a place of misery. Secondly, hell is a place Of memory. Memory. I want you to think about and don't think too deeply, but I want you to think about something that you're ashamed of, something that you want to leave in the past, something that if you were to exercise, if you were to review it, it would be tormenting to you. Hell is a place of of memory. Beyond the fact that hell is a place of conscious misery, we also see that it's a place of memory. It is a place of profound regret. In verse 25, I want you to see and look at these two words, these two words that Abraham says to the rich man. He says, son, remember. Son, remember. Remember, listen, those two words convey one of the most horrifying aspects of hell, which is that of memory. Pastor Erwin Lutzer says that hell is a region of deprivation and unending regret. There with all of their memories and feelings fully uh, intact, images of their life on earth will return to actually haunt them. They will think back to their friends. They will think back to their family. They will think back to their relatives. They will brood over opportunities they squandered and intuitively know that their future is both hopeless and unending. For them, death will be far worse than they ever imagined. Listen, I'm not saying all this this morning, again, to scare you, to depress you, to make you feel like, why did I even come to church this morning? Church, we need to know the truth. Church, we need to hear the truth. Church, we need to know it in such a way that, you know what, you're going to take the the word of truth and you're going to share it with others because we've got to rescue the perishing because every day people are dropping and going into hell because every day people do not know when their last breath is gonna be taken. Every day people are living for themselves in such a way that if eternity were to begin today, they would end up in hell and some of them will sadly go without ever hearing the mention of Jesus and salvation. That's on us, that's on us. We need to share, we need to share. You love someone, We need to share. You're worried about someone? We need to share. Listen, in our our text, the mind of the rich man fills with the images of poor Lazarus. Lying by his door with stray dogs licking his wounds, he remembers. Say, remembers. Remembers. He remembers those who had tried to tell him about God. He he might even recall some lessons or some sermons or some things that were shared that he heard on earth about heaven and hell. He remembers those who warned him about the coming judgment and memories come swimming out of nowhere again and again. The memories are there. The torment is there. There is no torment greater than an accusing memory pl- it's impossible to forget when you're in hell that you're in hell see the rich man he could not take his money but he did take his memory and there listen there is no way out for him you cannot get out of hell when you're there in hell you are there forever listen some teach that you can work your way out of hell and listen that would certainly be wonderful but it isn't true You can't get a transfer out of hell. You can't work your way out of hell. There is no early release for good behavior. There is certainly no crossing over. Abraham explains to the rich man that there is a great chasm, a great gulf between heaven and hell. In other words, there is no hope of crossing over from one place to the other. His destiny is eternally set. Hell is his forever home. And there is no hope for escape or relief. Again, hell is not like a prison that, where you might get to be paroled, pardoned, or simply do your time and then be released. Hell is forever. Say forever. forever. Say forever. forever. It's inescapable. There are no second chances. God will not change his mind. The great chasm is fixed forever. Our text makes clear that those who go to hell are are without hope as their fate is forever sealed in hell. It's too late to pray. It's too late to change your life. It's too late to repent. In the classic book, Dante's Inferno, hell is described in graphic detail and great imagination. Much of the book is, is not based on scripture as to what hell might be like, but there is one thing that the book that is in full agreement with the scriptures in the book. Near the beginning of the book, the main character in the story sees a sign to the entrance of hell. And it says, abandoned hope, all you who enter here. Abandoned hope, all you who enter here. This is much, this much is certainly true. There is no hope after this life is over in hell. Your destiny is eternally set. Listen, listen a tragedy greater than, than the one being described is very hard to imagine because to, to miss the opportunity for something good is really bad. Plus, to, But to miss the, the greatest opportunity of all, the chance to go to heaven is terrible. But listen, to miss it forever and ever and ever and to know that you have missed it forever and ever seems almost unbearable. Surely one of the most fearful horrors in hell is the undying, eternal memory of what could have been. Finally, hell is not only a a place of memory, but hell is a place of mourning. mourning. I want you to go back to verses 27 through 31. This is the rich man speaking. And then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. Send Lazarus the beggar, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, that he may warn them, that he may witness to them, lest they also come to this horrible place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if one, if anyone goes to them from the dead, I, I'm sure they'll repent. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Listen, we don't see the rich man in hell reveling in, in, in uh, fellowship with his rich friends. The rich man is very much alone. He did not say, I'm so glad my brothers are, are going to be joining me here soon. We're going to have an awesome party. Hell will not be what some people have playfully described it to be. It will not be a continuous fun fest. And listen, someone needs to warn people about the danger that they're in. Worship team, come. Someone needs to warn them. Someone needs to tell them. Someone needs to witness. Someone needs to share their story. Listen, I was headed for hell. I'm the youngest of 13. I had religion. I thought I had it all together. I thought if I could do more good than bad in my life, that that maybe God would let me into his heaven. But it wasn't until someone said to me in no uncertain terms that I could know for sure, for sure, for sure this day that if I were to die, I will be joining my heavenly Father in heaven and, and asked me, wouldn't you want that? It's like, oh, I thought I had that. I, ha- I have religion. I-, I have good works. I-, I thought I was good enough. Oh, no, we could never be good enough. You can never be good enough. See, go, go, listen, going to church is awesome. Going to church will not save you. Going to church will not reserve your spot in heaven. Reading the Bible is great. Reading the Bible will stir your life. Reading the Bible will, will encourage you. But there are a lot of people reading the Bible today. That in scripture itself, it says, they will say to him, the master, father, uh, haven't I uh, preached sermons in your name? Haven't I healed in your name? Haven't I done miracles in your name? Haven't I done this and that in your name? And he'll say to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Let me summarize from our text what we can learn about hell. A, the dead are still alive in hell. Both Lazarus and the rich man survived their own funerals. Let me say that again. Both Lazarus and the rich man survived their own funerals. They're still alive in eternity. We think this this is the land of the living, but really it's not. It's the land of the dying. When we die, we wake up. We spend eternity in heaven or we spend it in hell. The dead are still alive. B, the dead retain their personalities and essential character. See, Lazarus is still Lazarus in eternity. The rich man is still the rich man in eternity. Even in hell, the rich man could see, listen, Even in hell, the rich man could see. The rich man could hear. The rich man could feel. The rich man could recognize. The rich man could remember. The rich man could speak. The rich man could reflect. The rich man could plead. The rich man could suffer. The rich man could think ahead. There was only one thing the rich man couldn't do. He couldn't get out of hell. See, death marks the final separation between the saved and the lost it marks the final separation once in heaven always in heaven once in hell always in hell no one can pass from one place to the other and d hell is real but you don't have to go there somebody say amen hell hell is real but you don't have to go there remember hell can be avoided if you follow jesus in fact, that's what Jesus does. I don't know if you picked up on that. He leads people out of hell. Based on Ephesians 4 and Colossians 2, Christ preached freedom to the captives. And during his three days of being in the grave, which means we, we know that he went to Sheol, he laughed in the face of, of the condemning law and regulations with, which held the people captive, and he set free those who had faith in, their, in the Lord their God. So why and how could Jesus lead them to heaven? Because that's what Jesus does. He sets the captives free. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Truly, he knows the way to the Father. He can lead us to heaven as well. Listen, the truth is God loves you. He doesn't want you to go to hell. Hell was never intended for human habitation, so don't go there. C.S. Lewis said, any man may choose eternal death. Those who choose it will have it. There are only two kinds of people in the end, those who say to God, thy will be done, or those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. We often hear people say, how can a God of love allow people to suffer unending misery The answer is because God loves us so much that he respects our choices and decisions. In other words, he loves us, but he will never force his love upon us. To force love on someone who doesn't want it is an offense. And so God allows you and I to decide. He loves us. He encourages our response to his love. He even pursues us and urges us, but he will not force us because he loves us enough to allow us to make our own decisions. Stand to your feet. We're gonna pray. We're gonna pray, close out service. We close out this series on eternity, your forever home. There's been a lot that we have shared. Some things maybe you've heard for the first time. It's been an eye-opener. You've gotten a little smarter maybe about heaven and hell. You understand things a little bit better, but listen, none of that matters. Honestly, none of that matters if you have not chosen your eternity to be with Christ in heaven. If you have not chosen to secure yourself, listen, you wanna be eternally secure, choose Jesus every single day of your life. You want to be uh, know that you know that you know that if you were to die today, you're going to go to heaven. Choose Jesus Christ even right now. You know, many of us can say, Pastor Freddie, I've got it, I've got it, and that and that's awesome. But listen, I, I realize that even in a group this size, there are some that are going through the motions. There are some that know religion. There are some that just come to church because some people bring them or or tell them to come. There are some that are just confused about things. Listen, today is your day. Today is your day. He loves you so much. He wants you to choose. You don't automatically go. So I challenge you, say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus every head bowed father we come to you right now and lord i feel like i've i've done what you asked me to do this has been challenging i've enjoyed preaching on heaven not so much on hell and i know lord that on the receiving end it's been difficult maybe to sit here week after week and and talk about the reality of heaven and hell and, and talk about the possibility that we might know someone that is headed for hell right now. And Lord, at the same time, we can rejoice because many of us, God, we we have confessed our sin. We, we have asked you to forgive us. We have asked you to come into our hearts. We have asked you to save us, to be our Savior and our Lord. And, and today, this morning, we stand here. We're saved. We're secure. We are headed for for heaven but Lord if there's someone here today that is not sure about where they'll, they'll spend eternity my prayer is that even right now they would say Pastor Freddie I'm not sure but I want to know I'm not sure but I want to know if that's you even one if you are not sure but you want to be sure you want to choose heaven. You want to choose Jesus. Raise your hand right up boldly, right up right now. We're just going to pray with you right now. Anybody at all? I see those hands. Hallelujah. Any, listen, be bold. He died on the cross openly for you. You want to be secure in your faith. You want to be secure, that you know that if, that if life, this earthly life were to end right now, you want to go to heaven. Listen, I saw those hands that were raised, and heaven saw them too. And right now, we're going to pray the prayer of faith. I'm going to ask everyone to pray it with me right now. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm, a I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm broken. I've, done life I've done life my own way. I've headed in wrong directions. I've not pleased you. I want to please you. I want to live for you. Jesus, wash me clean. Purify my heart. Purify my mind. Purify me. And accept me into your fold into your family. Make me a child of God right now. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for preparing a home for me in heaven. I'm secure in Jesus right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him praise. He's the savior. He's the savior, hallelujah, hallelujah. Listen, if you said that for the first time or for the hundredth time, doesn't matter, but you said it in faith and you believe right now that he's your savior and your Lord, he's your savior and your Lord and all of heaven is rejoicing. Heaven is having a party. It's dark and gray out. Heaven is having a party. The lights are on. God is rejoicing. Heaven is rejoicing, the angels are rejoicing. Now live for him every day. Amen? Amen. Live for him. Father, thank you so much for this time. Help us, Lord, to rededicate and to commit our lives to you. Accept our worship as we close today. In Jesus name. God's people said. Amen. 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 Worship team closes.